This is the Chapel Real Estate Show, episode number 32. Welcome to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership with your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel. What's up, listeners, and thank you guys for tuning in to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so that you can learn how to buy, sell, and invest with the best. I'm your host, Daniel Chapel, and I've got my dad with us as always today. How's it going today, Dad? It's going fantastic. How's everybody doing today? Oh, it's another great day. So, as promised, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about the new latest eviction moratorium, and then we promised you that we'd bring you any updates if anything happened. So, today, we're going to bring you the latest updates with the eviction moratorium. We're also going to talk about some other really great tips, things that you can do to winterize and fall-proof your house, um, and then a couple other little tips and tricks for our listeners today. So, stay tuned. You're definitely going to want to listen to all of this episode today. Today. It's got a lot of great information for landlords and renters alike. But first, Dad, what is today's Chapel Chunk for our listeners? Well, because today we decided we're going to do a little bit on uh, how to prep your home for the fall and the winter, uh, I think today's Chapel Chunk should be make sure you keep up with all of these maintenance tips, whether you are uh, a tenant living in a house or you are uh, a landlord or you're just a, a regular homeowner. These tips that we're providing for you today are a good habit to get into on an annual basis at a minimum. Uh, some of these tips may require more often than that, but uh, this is some pretty good information that I think most homeowners uh, are aware of, but they just don't get into the habit of doing these things on a frequent basis. So uh, today's chapel chunk is maintain your house and do it on an annual basis. Yeah, no, that is a great, great tip. And you know what? I think every quarter we're going to be doing one of these episodes just to kind of give you guys some tips on what kind of maintenance things you should be doing leading into each season. Us being in Central Texas, we experience weather from every end of the spectrum, whether it be freezing cold snow for a week or 110 degrees hot drought. So um, definitely want to make sure that especially when you have these crazy degree variances that you know how to prepare yourself for each season. So um, yeah, t stay tuned. We're definitely going to be doing more of these episodes. But let's go ahead and get into today's topic. So dad, the number one thing that we want to talk about is going to be this latest eviction moratorium um, and, and basically what happened with it. So give our listeners the update. What's going on? So fortunately for our listeners, they don't really have to pay attention to the news that much in regards to real estate. You and I do a fairly good job of staying on top of that kind of stuff anyway. So I did notice there were a, a couple of different, uh, very important things that happened over the past week that I wanted to share with our listeners. First of all is the eviction moratorium uh, made it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the moratorium on evictions. And the reason being is that uh, the Supreme Court felt that the CDC did not have the authority to make such a rule, especially to follow it up with fines and things like that. So uh, with that said, uh, that can only be done by our legislature, according to the Supreme Court. So now, uh, and I'm talking about the extension on the moratorium itself. So uh, because the extension was not done uh, properly through the legal channels, then the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned that eviction moratorium. So what does that mean for some of our listeners? Well, uh, it could mean that some of our listeners could wind up evicted. 
if they haven't been paying on their rent and things like that since since the uh, uh, pandemic started, uh, so that that could be a possibility. Uh, I, I would hope that doesn't happen, but if it does, you just need to be prepared for that. Uh, the other thing too is that if uh, people have been in dire straits and been unable to pay their rent. Uh, then that can't be held against them. So even if they're to be evicted uh, under these pretenses, I would assume that that would not uh, be held against them. But uh, again, you just never know. Landlords can, uh, especially in a single-family house and not multi, uh, uh, not a commercial deal, uh, then landlords can pretty much pick and choose who they want to live in their homes. So uh, that is uh, bad news for some folks. But uh, considering the way the employment rates have gone recently, I don't think it's going to affect that many people. Uh, but whether it affects one person or, you know, 250 million doesn't matter to me. Uh, it's still a negative impact on some tenants. Yeah, definitely. So how how exactly is this going to impact? So I know we there were several tenants that um, maybe didn't pay their rents or are a little bit behind and, and they owe their landlords in back rent. So what does this eviction moratorium being stricken by the Supreme Court, what does it mean for our tenants out there? Well, what it does mean now is that landlords can now evict for non-payment of rent, uh, especially since the moratorium expired, the initial moratorium expired, which I believe was... Um, uh, the end of July, if memory serves me correctly. Uh, I don't know if that was an extension or if that's when the actual moratorium ended and then everything after that was an extension. I, I just don't remember. Uh, but I would assume that, yes, that is a, a potential problem. Yeah, and I believe it was July 31st when it uh, expired. And then I think it was like August 3rd when the CDC re-implemented the new uh, moratorium order, which again, the Supreme Court overruled. So for our tenants that are out there, you know, we, we've mentioned this before. We've done all kinds of episodes where we talk about the landlord-tenant relationship. Um, we talk about, you know, different tips for renters, different tips for landlords. But something that, uh, that I definitely want to notate is that every landlord is going to be a little bit different. So if you're in a position where you're, you owe your landlord back rent, give them a call. Talk to them. See if there's something that you can work out. At the end of the day, you know these landlords are put in an impossible position as well. They've got a, a mortgage that needs to be maintained. They've got insurances. They've got um, you know property taxes that are increasing. And if they've got tenants that aren't paying, at the end of the day, they need somebody who's going to help support them in keeping their business operating. Um, so if you're that person and you know that you can come up with the, the back rent in a reasonable amount of time and you can come up with a solution, work with your landlord. Try to work something out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the landlord is not just all gung-ho, ready to evict you. That's not really how this usually works. Are there some landlords out there that are ready to move on to the next person? Certainly, I'm sure there are. But there are also landlords on the other end of the spectrum where you know they're trying to do the humane thing, trying to help people out and providing good, affordable housing. So talk to your landlord. See if there's any way that, uh, that you can work something out with them and, and try to keep, keep your living situation where it's at. All right, so Dad, with the eviction moratorium ending... Why don't you tell our listeners the other trend that we're starting to see in the market with rents? Rents are going to increase, and they're already starting across the Austin area. Uh, I shared an article that I found earlier this week with the rest of our team uh, explaining that in Austin proper, uh, rents have increased as much as 40% in apartments. And that has had a negative impact on people who are currently living in those apartments. And a lot of it has to do literally with supply and demand. So remember, uh, 
just in the past few months, we've talked about this high volume of people that are moving here into this area and are looking to buy. Well, they weren't able to buy, so now they're renting. And one of the trends that I'm seeing as well is multiple applications for a single family home. So now when I have folks that are looking for rentals, uh, and I'm, I'm seeing more and more of those folks coming up that may buy at some point in the future, uh, then I have to advise them that, you know, we're probably going to be submitting applications on multiple properties before you finally get the one that you're looking for. So uh, that's just uh, the way it's going to be. And the main reason these rents are going up is, number one, property taxes are going to go up because our property values have skyrocketed. Uh, just in the last six months. So after January uh, 1st, the counties will be reassessing all of our properties again, and those values are going to go up, especially for a landlord who does not have any kind of exemptions on their property. Uh, those taxes are going to see a tremendous rise, and uh, th those rents just, ha that, that rise has to pass on to the tenants. Uh, there's just no way for a business to survive without that. Additionally, uh, homeowners insurance is going to increase, and the reason that is, is because when property values increase, and we've seen already a tremendous increase in lumber and uh, labor costs as far as remodeling and construction costs and things of that nature, then all of that also has to be passed on. So the uh, insurance companies will be raising their rates as well. So when you couple all of that together, the mortgage may stay in the same uh, for a landlord, but their, their property taxes and their insurance rates are most likely to increase. They have to pass that, pass that down to the tenant. So what I'm seeing in single-family residences so far is about a 10% increase across Williamson County. Uh, I have not checked Travis County because I, I don't work predominantly in Travis County. And right now, I don't have anybody looking down there, so I have no real desire to be checking into Travis County. But it just makes sense to me that uh, single-family is probably going to go up somewhere in the range of 20 to 40%. Uh, across the board. And the reason being is that we saw property values increase that much. You know, if people will remember just last week, we talked about uh, home sales prices and what a dramatic increase, 49% increase uh, just last uh, month from, from July of last year. So uh, with all of that, that's going to get passed down to the tenants. So the tenants need to be prepared for that. Yeah, absolutely. These, these rent increases, I mean, the writing's been on the wall. We've been talking about it for really the last year that this was on the horizon. Um, I mean, here it is. It's, it's here now. Um, we're going to see these increases happen a lot over the next six months to a year, especially as some of these leases come to an end and, um, you know, some of these non-paying tenants get evicted, that kind of thing. As that starts to happen, we're going to see these rents start to continue to creep and creep. Um, so, so just to kind of kind of bring this around full circle, because I know this is mostly talking about the eviction moratorium and mostly talking about the renter side of things, but what is this going to mean for landlords in the future? Do you think that Austin is still a great place for landlords to be investing? What, what are your takes on that? Yeah, so for about the past six to eight months, it's been very difficult for landlords to, I mean, for property owners or investors to invest in the Austin area market. And the reason being is that property values have skyrocketed, but the rents haven't kept up with that pace. That is going to change. So I would anticipate here within the next six months to a year, we will see the rents increase uh, to be able to keep up with that demand. Uh, in addition to that, it's going to make it a much more profitable place for investors to invest. So uh, I think it's time now, especially for us in real estate, let's reach out to our investors and let them know, okay, now is the time to buy. Uh, even though the prices have jumped, uh, the rents are going to increase as well to keep up with that. Uh, so just anticipate that.
Yeah, absolutely. And the property values will continue to rise. I don't think that they're that they're going to slow down. So, I mean, it, when you look at the best reasons to invest, you always want a cash flowing property, but you also want a property that has a good likelihood to appreciate. And I still think that the Austin market is one of the strongest markets in the country right now. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, with all of that stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into some of our uh, tips and tricks to for the home maintenance stuff. So as most of you know, the summer is finally coming to an end. I don't know how tired of it you are, but I sure am. I'm done with the sweating. I'm ready for the nice change of colors to come through, a nice little fall breeze to cool me down. So I'm really excited for it. But what does that mean for home maintenance tips? So dad, what are some of the tips that we have for our listeners as we move into the fall and then into the winter months when things start freezing up and cold, getting real cold? So it's kind of funny that, that we decided to do this topic today because just in the past, I don't know, week or so, there have been a number of things that have popped up around my own home that I'm like, ah, oh, it's that time of year. So number one, the air conditioning filter on my, my system, we replace it about every six months because it's got this great big filter. It sends a message to me to let me know it's time. And lo and behold, over the weekend, uh, that, that, that uh, notification popped up on our, our thermostat. So uh, I changed that out. But in addition, I started hearing this chirping coming from one of the back bedrooms in the house. Well, sure enough, the smoke detector battery went out. So your mom's out this morning purchasing, purchasing new batteries so that I can replace all of those. Uh, so uh, it's that time of year when you really do. And, and the way I look at it is if I replace one battery, I'm replacing all of them. I don't even care how long they've been in there. I want to get everything on a regular schedule. So when that first one starts to chirp, that's it. They're all being replaced. No ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, that's a done deal. Well, not uh, just that, but me. I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of having to hunt down which one is chirping because I'll tell you, they chirp, what, every 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and I'm standing around, beep, wait, where was that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's never at a great time of day either. It usually happens at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gets annoying pretty quick. Sure does, sure so, does. Yeah, with all of that, I'm glad to hear that we're on this topic. So there's a number of things, and you and I have discussed a, a bunch of these as well. And fortunately, you being a homeowner as well, you already know a lot of this. So this makes it, this is going to be a great little conversation between the two of us. Yeah, definitely. So, <clears throat> well, let's let's kind of start with some of the fall stuff. So you already mentioned a couple of great ones. Got to make sure that you got to get all your AC filters replaced. So if you're running on a, a newer AC, you might have one of those three or four inch thick filters that you only have to change every six months. Maybe you've got the the uh, return vents in each uh, individual room and you have a few different um, vents that you need to replace. That's okay. Go ahead and, and bite the bullet. I think uh, you can buy the filters. And actually, I've heard, buy the cheaper filters. The more expensive filters, believe it or not, can put more stress on your system um, because they're, they're woven with thick fabrics. So airflow has a more difficult time going through those, uh, those filters. So buy the cheaper filters, make sure you get them stocked up um, and buy a few of them because you're probably gonna need to replace them every one, two or three months depending on the kind of system that you have. So that's a really good one. Um, another one, depending on where you live that is extremely important is getting your gutters cleaned. So we're getting ready to see a lot of leaves falling all over the place. Make sure your gutters are clean, your downspouts are clean, and that all of your stuff is working the way that it should be because that is gonna be something you don't wanna get caught too late doing. So let me explain something that most people don't understand about cleaning those rain gutters. 
So I have actually seen this on one of our rental properties where the tenant did not clean out the rain gutters the way that uh, he was supposed to. And they, it got really clogged up. And then the fascia board where the, the gutter attached to it wound up getting wood rot. Well, not only did that get wood rot, so did a portion of the roof and the shingles underneath that. So I had to replace a piece of decking, the, the uh, fascia board, and then it, it just caused a great big mess when it really was preventable. So the downspouts, that's another huge one because the downspouts can get clogged up pretty easily. So you want to try to keep up on that maintenance at least quarterly. Uh, sometimes, like during the fall months, you want to keep up with it weekly. So when you're outside uh, raking the leaves, get up there and clean those uh, those uh, gutters out. Because I'm telling you, that, that could cause a major problem. Not to mention all the critters that like to live in that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And uh, if you live in an area, like for me, for example, I'm in a neighborhood, we've got trees all, I mean, every single yard probably has 10 to 15 trees in it. So we've got big, tall, mature trees all over the place. And we're going to have to get some leaf guards for our gutters. So um, if you're in an area like mine where you have just an exorbitant amount of leaves and trees everywhere, you're going to want to go ahead and invest in the leaf guard, make it a little bit easier on yourself because cleaning the gutters, especially if you have a two-story home, is no easy task. So um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's definitely something that might be worth the investment. I agree. Something else that you may want to go ahead and get checked out as we start to get into some of the cooler months is your AC and heating system. So in Texas, AC, you probably already gotten it fixed at some point during the summer because I swear every house that I've been in every summer at least once it goes out at some point or another. So if you haven't already gotten your AC serviced, make sure you get that checked out. Run your heater, make sure that it kicks on and is working the way that it's supposed to be. And go ahead and get your AC serviced and cleaned uh, while you're at it. It's always good to get that done at least once a year, if not more than once a year. Your AC ducts and all that get disgustingly dirty. You would be surprised. Um, so go ahead and make sure you get that stuff taken care of as well. AC and heating systems are extremely important and you don't want to be stuck waiting for somebody to come and fix your heater in the middle of a freeze. That's never fun. Yeah. So, uh, what your mom and I do is typically during the fall, it's when we have the AC and the furnace both surface service, uh, serviced. And the reason being is, uh, to me, at least, uh, we already know that come Thanksgiving, Christmas time, it's still going to be quite warm here in Texas, and we're going to be using the AC. But I also know, too, that the demand is usually a little bit lower in the uh, uh, fall than it is in the summertime. So uh, as far as the service technicians and whatnot, they usually respond a lot quicker in, uh, in the fall than they do in, in the summer months. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. You know, one of the other things, too, is that when you're up there uh, have, cleaning the rain gutters out, it's probably not a bad idea to have the roof inspected. And believe it or not, people don't really think about the roof until it starts leaking. Well, what if you were able to discover a problem before that roof leak? Then you would probably save yourself quite a bit of hassle as far as repairing the sheetrock and whatever else may be damaged uh, due to a leak in your roof. If you're able to, to have somebody get up there and inspect that roof, uh, that's good preventive care uh, that'll keep your roof lasting a lot longer because trust me, you just never know. Hail happens out here in, in Texas all the time and sometimes that damage is more severe than others. Uh, so it's always worth it to have your roof, uh, inspected and, and don't wait for somebody to call you and say, Hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood to inspect your roof. I don't trust those kind of services. Reach out to us for the referral. We've got plenty of folks. We have a couple of really good roofers that we rely on, uh, to go and inspect those for us that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I trust my guys to go out there and, and, and take a look at it and give me an honest opinion. So, uh, reach out to us. We've got the referrals for you. 
Absolutely. And that is definitely one of those ones that you want to have a professional look at because I'll look at a roof all day long and I won't notice what is considered to be damaged. Um, so, you know, have a professional go up there. They'll notice the granular loss. They'll notice where there's impact marts from possible hail or tree branches or other types of things. So um, definitely one of those ones that you want to have a professional take a look at for you. And most of the time, I know the, the roofers that we work with will do free roof inspections for you. Um, so definitely, if you have any questions about that, reach out to us. We've got some some great contacts to put you in touch with. You know, another thing too is trimming the trees. So, you know, a lot of folks usually try to trim their trees in the springtime. But what I have learned, especially here in Texas, is that there is a fungus that travels from oak tree to oak tree uh, year round. And the best time to trim our trees uh, in Texas is in the wintertime after the first freeze. Unless, of course, you've got branches that are growing within three feet of your roof line. Uh, it would be uh, probably a really good idea to trim those branches away so that they're at least three feet away from uh, the roof line. And the reason being is that when the wind blows, those tree branches will rub across the top of that roof, uh, causing damage to the shingles, uh, or even worse, it can get down to the decking. So you want to make sure you kind of trim those tree limbs away. Uh, the other thing, too, is that by trimming the trees and keeping them thinned out to a certain degree, a couple of things happen. Number one, when do we get heavy wind? then the wind tends to blow through the trees and not blow the tree over. So in Houston, and I remember this a bunch, uh, a lot of trees that were really full and healthy and looked gorgeous, when we have a tropical storm or hurricane come through there, those are the first trees to get knocked over because they weren't trimmed out properly. So the wind wouldn't blow through them. The wind was blowing against them and pushing them over. So you want to try to, and that, you know, trimming your trees that thoroughly, usually about every two to three years is sufficient. Uh, but keeping them off your roof is probably an annual job. You want to make sure you look at that at least uh, annually. And this is the time of year to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a really great tip. Something else that's uh, worth taking a look into, and this is something that I never even thought of as an issue until it actually came time for me to sell my last house, and that is cracks in your driveway. So pay attention to that stuff. Again, in Texas, we have these extreme temperature changes. We have extreme weather changes where we go from extreme drought to a couple of months of just nonstop rain. And when you have these kinds of variances in, in weather, it causes all kinds of problems. The expansion and the contraction in the ground causes the concrete to make a lot of motion and movement. So driveways, walkways, foundations a little bit less, but still very important to keep um, moisture around your foundation. But if you see cracks start to develop, go ahead and call a leveling company or call a, a foundation repair company. Have them take a look at um, you know, these various areas of concrete to see if there's anything that can be done preventative maintenance wise to increase the longevity of that concrete because uh, it's expensive to, I mean, that foam is not cheap. So if you need a lot of foam to, to level your driveway or to level a part of your foundation, it can add up very quickly. So the sooner you address those issues, the, the more affordable they are. Um, again, if you have a house, make sure you maintain it. It's, it's, it's definitely worth it. It's worth the expense. Absolutely. You know, another thing, too, that uh, a lot of people don't give a lot of thought of, and I know they're told this, especially when they buy a home new, uh, is their water heater. So uh, I know every new home uh, orientation that I go to, uh, the, the crew chief runs around and he explains to our, our buyers, this is what you need to do, and this is how you drain your water heater, and you need to do this on an annual basis, and et cetera, et cetera. People don't do it. Uh, they just don't do it. Uh, I've drained mine here twice. Uh, so about every other year, I, I go ahead and I drain it. 
and, and I have two water heaters. And the reason being is that in Texas, we have very hard water, especially in this region. So that hard water has a, has the a tendency to build up calcium deposits and whatnot in the bottom of that water heater. And over time, it can cause damage to the water heater and shorten the lifespan. To increase that lifespan, one of the best things you can do is drain it. And that means completely drain it. And there's a process to do that. Most of them, uh, you just connect a water hose to it, and then you follow a process, and the process is actually written on the side of the water heater. If you have any questions about it, it depends on your water heater as to how you drain that. So you can look on YouTube. There are tons of YouTube videos uh, that explain how to do that. Uh, I know for me personally, I know exactly what I'm doing with mine because I've drained it a number of times, so that's not a problem for me. Uh, but we also have gas. So there's a process that I have to follow to make sure that, that I drain it properly, which includes shutting off the pilot light and shutting the gas off. I can relight all of that later on, but uh, I, I need to do that myself. But it is all explained to me on the side of the water heater. It's very simple, fortunately. Uh, they, they make it very easy for people like me to do that because you already know I am not the maintenance guy. I'm just not. So there are a few things that uh, I actually have to pay somebody to do, but draining a water heater isn't one of them. Even I can do that. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, depending on where the water heater is at, you may want to hire somebody because I know for me, it's up in the attic in a really small crawl space and I need a probably a hundred foot water hose to hook up to it to drain it and, and do that whole thing. I might just pay somebody. I don't know. <laughs> And then our last fall tip before we move into some of the winterizing things that you need to do as we move into the colder weather um, is really going to be all about your lawn. So I don't know about you guys, but me as a homeowner, that was one of my favorite things was I finally have my own yard. I can do my own landscaping. I want that yard of the month look. Well, it takes a lot of work to get that yard of the month look. So for your lawn, first things first, when you go into the fall and winter season, you want to start cutting your grass a little bit shorter. Give it a little bit less length. Also, make sure you fertilize it. I know a lot of people think moving into the winter time and the fall time, the growth season is kind of ending and there's not really a whole lot of need to fertilize. But just because your grass isn't growing does not mean that the roots aren't working. So make sure you still fertilize. That's going to help strengthen up the roots, strengthen up the grass so that it's more resilient to any of the, uh, you know, inclement weather that could happen between now and next spring. So um, definitely worth fertilizing. And then the last tip for your lawn is going to be to aerate the soil. This is something that's really great to do in the fall and it's really great to do once a year. So every fall, if you get in the habit of doing this, you can rent an aerator from a Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, I think they're relatively cheap, a couple hundred bucks. Um, and you just go run it through your yard. It pokes a bunch of holes, allows the, the soil to get a little bit more aeration, some oxygen, and it's going to help strengthen um, strengthen everything in your yard. It's, it's a really great thing to do. Helps you keep the yard nice and fresh. Um, and then will also help you keep all of your plants nice and fresh, which to me is a big plus. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, too, is that you could also treat for insects at that time as well. So typically what I do is I'll fertilize one week and then the following week I treat for the insects. Uh, because cinch bugs are a big deal and they will eat your grass alive. And I mean, once they, they start eating up your roots and everything, that's it. It will kill that grass. And the only solution is to kill the bugs first, then go back and replace the grass. And I've actually had to replace an entire yard because of the cinch bugs once before. I had no idea what that was all about. Uh, lesson learned. Uh, now that I know, I will treat for those cinch bugs every single year uh, and, and try to stay on top of that. So uh, you know, during the fall time is another good time to go ahead and treat. And you do have to treat that yard about every three months just to keep the insects out. 
Yeah, yeah. And same thing with fertilizing. You want to make sure that you do at least once every quarter that you fertilize the yard to keep everything looking nice and fresh. So dad, now let's kind of talk about some of the winter tips that we have. We've got a couple of tips that you can kind of uh, be advised of and think about. The reason we're leaving them in this video and not a few months down the line is because everybody's already going to be thinking about this in three months. You want to make sure that especially with supply shortages, that if you need any burlap to wrap your plants in, or you need some kind of insulation for your pipes, that you get out there and get it now so that you are prepared for any of this, uh, this cold weather. So dad, what are, what are some of those tips for our listeners? That is exactly right. The first thing I suggest is, and I know everybody's heard this a dozen times, and you're probably going to hear it after the first cold snap and we get freezing uh, uh, temperatures. Be the person that's already ahead of the game in all of that. Go ahead and, and get the insulation, get the extra rags if you want to wrap your pipes. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, well, which pipes should I wrap? Well, anything that's going to be exposed to the weather. So I live in a very modern house, or at least modernly built house. It was built in 2014. So we typically don't have, even after this last harsh winter, we didn't have any pipes freeze inside the house. However, uh, outside, I have a grill that also, I have an outdoor kitchen. Those pipes were exposed. I had to wrap those pipes. And fortunately, uh, I keep those wrapped year round. But even still, with the, 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 the particular hard freeze that we recently had, then I, had, I took extra precaution and wrapped them a little bit more. Uh, as far as your plants, uh, your mom and I got smart. We moved a lot of our plants inside the garage. But even inside the garage, the temperature still got below freezing. So you still want to kind of wrap your plants. Uh, wrap them with a breathable cloth. So what that means is burlap is a good one, uh, cotton sheets, uh, old sheets that you have in the house. It doesn't matter if they're old or not, uh, because trust me, even after the season's over, you're just going to wash them and it'll be perfectly fine. Uh, but you want to wrap those plants. Uh, as far as the plants that are actually exposed, uh, you know, like your big bushes and things like that, you don't necessarily have to worry about those too much because believe it or not, those boogers will come back. As long as the root system is good, those plants will come back. Uh, you may have a few that don't survive the winter, but even after the major winter blast that we had this year, uh, we only lost one plant, one, and it was an actual ivy. Everything else survived. I was actually very pleasantly surprised about that. Uh, so uh, just do, take your, do your best to try to wrap them up using burlap. Burlap works really well or any kind of a breathable cloth. We typically use uh, sheets. Sheets work really well. Uh, and the reason you want them breathable is because plants need the oxygen. If you wrap them up with plastic, they can't breathe. Uh, and it creates condensation. And the condensation turns into ice, which can damage the plants. So just wrap them up with, with the uh, uh, sheets or burlap, and that's much better for the plant. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one other thing, too, that isn't necessarily part of your home, but is extremely important is when you start getting these extreme weather conditions, you want to make sure that your vehicle is taken care of. So I saw this, I don't know how many times, even in my own neighborhood, where folks did not winterize their vehicles. We weren't expecting this harsh of a winter. Uh, winterizing your vehicle simply means making sure that your uh, antifreeze levels are where they need to be in your vehicle. Uh, if you need to, start the vehicle up once a day during these extremely harsh winters, at least that way to keep the fluids running through the vehicle. Uh, that's always a very good idea. Uh, check the air, uh, air pressure in your tires. Make sure that you have good tread on your tires. Uh, and this is the time of year to do that. Go ahead and prepare before the winter storm hits. Uh, at least that way you're ahead of the game uh, and you're less likely to face any severe problems when the, the severe weather strikes. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
And, you know, to that note, winterizing your, your vehicles, winterize your pipes as well. So not just wrapping your pipes, but make sure that you drain all of your lines, especially if we, you know, encounter weather like what we had this past year. If we have a period of freeze like that where there's snow on the ground and, you know, that kind of thing, you're going to want to make sure that you've drained your irrigation lines, that you've drained the pipes in your house. I mean, there were, we went through a period of time where there was no electricity in some places, no water. Um, and, and, you know, when you have no water, no electricity, that means that the inside of the house is getting freezing cold as well. Um, I mean, dad, remind me, what did the temperatures get down to inside of the house list last year? Yeah. Your mom and I had temperatures of 46 degrees. Uh, I think that was the high, uh, throughout the, this snowmageddon as we called it or snowvid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 46 degrees inside the house. We had no gas, we had no power, and, uh, you know, eventually the power came back on in very small increments. Uh, but uh, thank goodness for that. But we also had a fireplace and I had plenty of wood so we could actually burn, uh, burn some wood in there. And that did help somewhat. Uh, the bedrooms were a little bit colder, I think, than the main part of the house uh, because we just closed off the, the doors to the bedrooms and then let the heart of the house uh, try to warm up some. Uh, I mean, 46 is better than, you know, 20 or, or nine <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, when when you're talking, you're burning firewood in the house, and you're actually doing things to actively keep warm, and you're still down to 46 degrees. I mean, the house could get cold enough to where the interior pipes could freeze. So drip your pipes, you know, make sure that every faucet in the house is leaking um, just so that you can keep the water moving through the system a little bit. Make sure that those pipes don't freeze up because that's not something you want to deal with. I mean, we had um, friends and clients and, and, you know, stories from other colleagues of their clients that, you know, had bursted pipes in the roofs and the ceilings and it caused way, way, way more trouble and flooding inside of the house and, you know, things that you shouldn't have to deal with. So, um, you know, be sure you're taking these steps to, to stay ahead of the game. You know, as we say, prior proper planning prevents poor performance. That's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons why we're giving this video now. And here it is the end of August, first part of September. And uh, we're talking about this now. So now's the time to prepare. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, I'm looking through our notes, and I think that pretty much covers all the all the points that we wanted to hit for our listeners. Dad, was there anything that you think we missed? Uh, no, I think we covered everything else uh, pretty well, actually. Great. Well, wrap it up for our listeners. I know you've got your closing thoughts. I do indeed, and everybody knows it by now. Referrals, referrals, referrals. So just like I mentioned today, going through a lot of these different uh, – uh, uh, prep steps that we've done. If you have questions about anything, by all means, call us. If you'd like uh, uh, referrals on uh, some of the folks, the AC and heating and uh, roof inspectors, things like that, please give us a call. We do have trade professionals that we can refer to you uh, to make sure that those things are taken care of. Uh, again, referrals. That's it. Referrals. That's it. That's the closing thoughts for our listeners on every week's episode. So take it to heart. We hope that if there's anything that we can do for you, um, you'll reach out to us. Let us know how we can help you or your friends or family when it comes to anything real estate or anything Austin. We are here to help. So thank you guys again for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show. We love spending this time with you every week and we will see you all again next week. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.